welcome to the 330 Sports Show. My name is Justin Coffin. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. Uh, I was looking back. We had our guest on at this time last year at roughly the same time. I think it was August 21st. We're going to bring him on in just a minute. I uh, just wanted to remind you that uh, we are... Uh, recording live down here at Youngstown Studio, downtown Youngstown, Ohio. Um, and we will uh, be bringing you plenty of uh, great stuff this week. So today our guest is going to be joining us from Columbus or from the Columbus area. Uh, he is a, an Ohio State beat reporter on Thursday. We're actually going to have, uh, we've talked about NIL. We're going to have the Penguin Collective down here to talk about uh, Youngstown State and their uh, collective group that is uh, supporting the athletes with their name, image, and likeness. So we'll talk more about that at the end of the show to uh, prep for Thursday. But without further ado, let's bring in our guest live from the uh, Columbus area, I believe the east side of the Columbus, uh, getting ready to head down to uh, campus soon, Mr. Steve Hellwagon. Steve, how you doing? You hear me? I'm doing good. I, I hope. Uh, are, can, can you hear me there? We're all good. Yep. Yep. We're all good. We gotcha. We gotcha. So, uh, Steve, sure. I wanted to ask you this first, totally non Ohio State related, but last time we had you on, you were talking about golfing at Muirfield uh, before the uh, memorial. Did you? And follow up, how did you do? Well, this hasn't been really that great of a year for golf for me. We've spent the last couple of months moving from one house to another. We're finally in our new house. And so I didn't get to play as much golf this year as I would like. I did go and play in that uh, outing. I think I broke 100, but uh, not by much. So, yeah, very difficult golf course and uh, a lot of fun, though, to get out and uh and to play such a great course as Muirfield Village. I've gotten to play it a few times as a member of the media, and it, uh, it's outstanding. It never disappoints you. So, um, yeah, I think I'm about ready to put the clubs away uh, for good, <laughs> other than I'm eyeing that uh, open week after the Notre Dame game in late September. There is an open week on the schedule. I may try and do a golf getaway then, but uh, otherwise I think I'm going to put the clubs away uh, for, for the time being because – if things are about to get real here in Columbus, the uh, the season's about to start. Yeah, it is really uh, tuning up. So, Steve, uh, last time we had you on, I believe back in the spring, it was right before the NFL draft and stuff, and we still uh, we were talking then about who's the quarterback going to be in 2023? Who's the quarterback going to be? Who's going to start? Is it going to be Kyle McCord? Is it going to be Devin Brown? And what are we, August 22nd, about – 10, 12 days before the season starts. And I'm still going to ask you that question. Who is going to be the quarterback for the Buckeyes? Well, it's been my belief all along that it was going to be Kyle McCord. And uh, I still believe that he'll be the guy that takes the first snap when they open the game against uh, Indiana on September the 2nd uh, in Bloomington. Uh, 3.30 start, first game on CBS, I think, in 25 years, back to the West Virginia game yeah. in 1998. So, uh, CBS taking over a Big Ten package this year. But uh, McCord, to me, I think is probably still going to be that guy. But Devin Brown has played outstanding by all accounts during preseason camp and really pushed the envelope. And, uh, you know, that's 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 what it is. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm of a mind it's still McCord, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, Maybe later this week they'll have some type of an announcement, but uh, they are going down to the wire on this thing. It wouldn't surprise me if both guys get to play in these first three games, perhaps. Now, okay, so let let me just follow up on that. Since the first three games, um, we have Indiana, YSU, and uh, Western Kentucky. So not a murderer's row uh, to start off the season. However, uh, you know, not the easiest schedule you know western kentucky is going to throw the ball around a little bit indiana's still in your conference a big 10 team so um are you of the mindset that you maybe do play both of them and you have to have a starter going into that game four against notre dame man that is a, a tough question and i think there's a lot of arguments that could be made just for the uh the 
the continuity of the team to have one guy as the starting quarterback that gets all the work. And yet uh, I think that, that Ryan Day wants to do what's best for the players and the team, and, and I think they're still working through that. And I take it as a positive thing. Um, one thing about this camp that was different was they had enough depth that every position group across the board that they could play 11 on 11 on two different fields. And wow. uh, it wasn't always a group of starters in the field and a group of backups on another. They mixed those guys up and basically just got reps and just ran plays and ran plays. And I think that that gave both quarterbacks plenty of work. Uh, they were getting about mm -hmm. 70% of the snaps on their respective fields. And so they were still getting a ton of work. People will say, well, without a starter, they're not getting the timing down with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka. I view that as kind of a trade-off. I think that, uh, you know, you've got – I mean, McCord did start one game against Akron as a true freshman a couple of years ago, excuse me, when C.J. Stroud was injured, but uh, otherwise really hasn't played a whole lot. And Brown's played even less in just one season mm -hmm. at Ohio State previously, and he redshirted. So to my way of thinking, this has been a, a real positive uh, in this preseason that Ohio State's been able to, uh, to get both these quarterbacks a ton of work. And uh, again, as I said, uh, they'll settle it in the next few days. Somebody will get the first snap. But I think the other guy will also get a chance to play, and uh, they'll just go from there. That that's all they can do. It's mm -hmm. it's weird that probably every other starting position on the team, the other twenty one starting positions, um, except for maybe one or two, seem to be etched in stone at this point. But uh, quarterback remains an open open spot. Okay, so um, so Coach Day basically said this week, as you kind of just elaborated on. Um, the offensive line seems to have taken shape. It's it's in a much better position than we thought maybe in the spring, at least with a starting five, maybe a fifth or maybe a sixth, seventh guy. So it sounds like Jackson, Jones, Hinsman, and then Simmons and Fryer uh, are, are going to be your starting five. Uh, is yeah. that your, you know, your understanding of that? That's what it looks like right now. Certainly uh, Jackson and Jones at the guard positions, they're the returning starters. Carson Hensman, slight edge over Victor Cutler at center. Josh Fryer looks like he's pretty well set at right tackle, although Coach Day did say that the freshman Luke Montgomery will play. Redshirt freshman Tegra Tashbola. I don't know if he redshirted or not because either a redshirt, I think he might be a redshirt freshman. Tegra Tashbola will also play. But Josh Simmons, the transfer from San Diego State, has really impressed the group and uh, come in and done a, a nice job there at left tackle. So uh, it really says a lot that uh, you have a transfer from San Diego State starting at left tackle, but uh, he's impressed them. So that that's where things are at right now with that position in that group. Now, um, Steve, you've covered the Buckeyes for a long time. Uh, coming into the season with this offensive line, uh, what's your – comfort level between a one and 10 one being a low, you know, the worst 10 being, all right, we're great. We got Orlando pace out there, all that. Oh, I'd put it around a seven. I think, I think, I think that's uh, a fair place to put it. I think that, uh, you know, it um, again, there's a lot of, lot to be concerned about, particularly when you watch the way that the offensive line played uh, in the spring and the, and the plays, the negative plays that they gave up. Uh, sacks and different things in the scrimmages that we got to watch were a little bit troubling. But I think since that point, they've done a good job of putting things together and uh, improving. And uh, the coaches, everybody seems to believe that this five-man offensive line is ready to go to start the season. We'll see how, how put that to the test, obviously, when they play Indiana. We're talking about the relative strength of these teams. Indiana, again, uh, has had a couple of down years, I think three wins and two wins since they were really good there in 2020. And uh, Coach Allen may be playing, you know, fighting for his job going into this season. So they're going to let it all hang loose. They've got 23 guys out of the portal to try and emphasize that roster and energize that roster and improve it. So we'll see if, if all that helps. I mean, the last two times Ohio State started the season – on the road against a Big Ten team was 2017. JT Barrett was the quarterback in his senior year. They trailed Indiana into the third quarter even and uh, ended up blowing them out. 
uh, after that. But then uh, two years ago, C.J. Stroud, it was kind of drizzling at Minnesota. They trailed at halftime up there as well. So uh, to me, uh, they have got uh, to come out and, and not take anything for granted in that first game, and that includes the play of the offensive line. Those guys need to be on point. Uh, from from the start. So I guess that's what we'll all be watching for in that first game. How well do they protect the new quarterback, whether it's Brown or whether it is McCord? How good of a job do they do, uh, you know, protecting that quarterback? Okay. Well, and th- this team, you know, the unknowns at quarterback, um, the uneasiness, we'll put it that way, of some of the fan base uh, with the offensive line, but the skill positions are are obviously the strength of this team with the wide receivers that you had already mentioned with Harrison and Abuka, and then your stable of running backs. So Steve, let me ask you this question. Ohio state has sent a representative to New York for the Heisman trophy four of the last five seasons. Will they have a representative in New York this season? Man, that's a tough one. Uh, it may not be the quarterback. It could well be uh, the wide receiver. Marvin Harrison Jr. could be that guy this year. He's being, uh, you know, put up there as the number one wide receiver in the country. And in some lists, he's number two on the Heisman list to the returning winner, uh, Caleb Williams from USC, mm-hmm. the quarterback. And, uh, you know, Caleb Williams very reasonably could win that award for the second time and become just the second two-time winner of the Heisman Trophy, uh, joining Archie Griffin, obviously, from Ohio State in the mid-1970s. So, uh, you know, so I guess uh kind of depends, again, how good this offense will be, how good the quarterbacks will be, how good the offensive line will be, and if Marvin Harrison Jr. can flourish. Obviously, he and Emeka Buka had very similar numbers. They were both in the 70s or 80s in terms of catches, both of them in double digits in terms of touchdowns last season. And will they play deep into games? Will they pile up huge numbers? Will eight catches for 110 yards and two touchdowns be enough, you know, week in and week out? just as, you know, throw those benchmark numbers out there. <laughs> Will that be enough to get him to New York? Will that be enough for them to go 12-0, and 13-0? and 0? I, I don't know. I guess there's so many variables involved in it, but uh, Marvin yeah. would be their, their probably their top candidate if you had to pick one. Okay. All right. Um, let me just ask you a couple more questions because I know you got to go here. So um, Jim Knowles and – Everyone else seems to to think the defense is much improved. Second year in the system, you you got blue chip guys uh, at each level with Eichenberg. You got JTT up there. You got Sonny Styles in the back end. and, And you mix in a handful of other really, really good, talented guys. Let me ask you this, though. Can the defense possibly carry the offense, at least maybe at the beginning of the season, as the offense has kind of carried the defense the last few seasons. Yeah, that's a possibility. I think the offense is going to be fine. I think once they get their their feet under them and get their feet wet with a few games, I think that they will improve as the season goes along in terms of that offensive line. I think they'll only get better. Um, there is star power on that defense, though, when you look at it with Jack Sawyer, JT Tui Maloal, Kenyatta Jackson, potentially at defensive end, Tyleek Williams, Mike Hall, Ty Hamilton, defensive tackle. Those are some studs there across the front four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eichenberg, Chambers, even C.J. Hicks, a prized recruit from a year ago in there in the linebacker group. Sonny Styles, a blue chipper last year as well, is certainly going to start, according to Jim Knowles, at safety. Uh, Denzel Burke uh, had a little bit of a sophomore jinx last year, was banged up. Now he's in a position as a junior to play his way into the NFL with a big season. I think he and Jordan Hancock at cornerback, Davison Igbenosin, the transfer from Old Miss, and then uh, Jihad Carter, the transfer from Syracuse, coming in at safety. You've got depth. You've got options at every one of these positions across the board, and they've really built it up. The defense will be improved. That is my solemn vow to you. <laughs> at least, at least until they play a great offense that can expose some things. And uh, you know, there's some tough games on this schedule, no question. But uh, you know, kind of all is going to come down to that Michigan game once again. They've got two great running backs 
with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. And if Ohio State can contain the run against Michigan, establish the run, I think there's only been once or twice in the last 30 years that the team that did not win the rushing battle won that game. And, uh, you know, that kind of says it all. Got to be able to line up and run the football. Got to be able to stop the run on defense, dictate the line of scrimmage. That's the team that's going to come out of this thing at the end. That's a great stat. I love that. All right. So, Steve, before we let you go, I know you got to get down to campus and stuff, and you guys got interviews and stuff tonight. Um, let me ask you two more questions here. One, so the Big Ten, the former Big Ten, is going to soon be the Big 18 or whatever, however they're going to rebrand it. So your thoughts on not just USC and UCLA, the LA schools coming in, but also the Pacific Northwest, Oregon and Washington coming in to the Big Ten. Yeah, Justin, I look at it as more just a, a, a loosely arranged television partnership is what this is. I mean, there's no collegiality among 18 schools. I mean, I just I don't know rivalries to speak of. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of strikes you really cold when you think about it. And um, it's unfortunate that this is what college football has grown to become, this big conglomerate. Uh, it's going to be whittled down probably to – two or three major conferences, one mega division of 60, you know, upper echelon schools that are going to squeeze out all the small schools and the access to the playoff eventually, I think, is their plan. And uh, you can see that that's where it's headed. It's just getting from point A to point B. I mean, one day there probably won't even be conference championships because it's a, it's an obsolete uh you know, compact. There's no reason mm-hmm. for it other than to, uh, as it stands right now, the way that the playoff is written, uh, it has uh, been put together this way uh, so that uh, the, the top conference champions get buys to the playoff. Well, with the Pac-12 being dissolved after, you know, this season, essentially there's one automatic berth that's that's by the wayside. And will the power two, three, four, whoever survives – Big 10, SEC, ACC, Big 12, will they just autonomously say no more of this? You know, we're, we're going to make this a closed shop and maybe we'll give the others one spot. But, uh, you know, I, again, it's all a money grab. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no reason for it, no rational reason for it. Ohio State fans don't want to stay up till 10 o'clock to watch a West Coast game. Uh, you know, Oregon, Washington, Great places to play, you know, once every 20, 30 years, but now trying to go there once every four years or whatever it is. A trip to the West Coast every year now, it looks like it'll be at least one trip to the West Coast. Just think about how much that disrupts your schedule. Those those schools on the West Coast are going to have to make five or six trips uh, to the Central and Eastern time zone. Just think Mm -hmm. how much that'll disrupt their season. So you can't have five open weeks, you know, in the course of a – 13 game season to rest up from your latest trip from the Atlantic ocean to the Pacific ocean or vice versa. So I don't know, not real excited about it, but it's uh, it's what they think is best going forward. So I guess we'll yeah. see, see how it works. Cherish, out. Cherish uh, 2023 because 2024 is going to be a whole new ball game Paradigm new, new playoff system yep. and everything. Yeah. All right, Steve, last question. Then I'm going to let you out of here. Um, why issue? Youngstown State obviously coming to town in Columbus uh, September 9th. Obviously, we know Jim Tressel, former coach, former president here at Youngstown State, former national championship coach at both schools. Um, But I think we talked about this before, but I, I just want your opinion because this could be the last time YSU plays at Ohio State, especially with these new playoff rules and, and whatnot, new schedules. Um, should the band and should Ohio State or however that works, should this be the the one time we bring Jim Trussell down, let him dot the I uh, in script Ohio? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And uh, I wrote a column about a week or two ago about that very subject. I asked the band director. He said that as of right now, they're not doing any guest I dots because they're still trying to get, believe it or not, three years later, still trying to get caught up from COVID when these Hmm. sousaphone players had their time pushed back, so to speak. To me, that rings a little bit hollow. You, they, they have done two script Ohio's in a given game. 
uh, to, to get caught up. So that they can always do that as well. One before the game, one at halftime, whatever, to get mm-hmm. it caught up. I think there's you can't get enough of Script Ohio, for goodness sake. So, exactly. um, yeah, he should definitely be recognized and honored. I mean, if Earl Bruce dotted the eye, Jim Dressel did, you know, 10 times as much for Ohio State University as Earl Bruce did. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, that uh, he, he, sh- he should get that honor. And not only that, they have uh, signs on the facade of Ohio Stadium with Paul Brown and Woody Hayes, who were both national championship coaches. Jim Tressel deserves a similar sign uh, to, you know, to recognize his 2002 national championship, seven Big Ten championships, and a 9-1 and record against the University of Michigan. I think that would be a fitting tribute for him. And certainly Urban Meyer as well at some point will deserve a sign on the facade of Ohio Stadium for leading the Buckeyes of the 2014 National Championship as well. So, you know, I guess those are things in the offing. I didn't bring that up to Gene Smith, who is retiring next year. Ohio State just hired a new president today, Ted Carter, coming over uh, as the president from Nebraska. He's a Navy guy, spent basically his entire adult life in the military and was the uh, head of the military academy for uh, a number of years as well. Uh, He'll be uh, taking over in January as the new president at Ohio State University. And uh, so, uh, you know, some some new blood coming in, and he'll hire a new athletic director, obviously with Gene Smith uh, retiring next year. But, uh, yeah, no question, the Youngstown State game, and why Ohio State has dragged their feet on this or put their head in the sand on this, or turn their, you know, head to this, or is not even thought about this. Mm-hmm. Ludicrous. The whole thing's ludicrous. So it's what we have are non-Ohio State people running Ohio State. So yeah, that, that'll tell you where we're at. Well, we got a we got a couple, well, less than a couple weeks to get it done. So hopefully, uh, I'm I'm sure uh, Trestle can figure out how to uh, tip his hat and and get that honor that he so uh, deserves. So Steve, uh, we. Uh, appreciate you as always joining us. Um, we, we know you got to go. So uh, uh, everybody uh, make sure to follow Steve on social and Steve, where can they read your stuff again? Yeah. Bucknuts.com. We're part of the 24 seven sports network. We're owned by CBS and uh, we have college sites at uh, all the major schools and uh, bucknuts.com is the Ohio state site. We've been around since 1998. I've been with them since 2003. This will be my 29th season full-time on Ohio State football, and I think it'll be 35 years or 36 years on Ohio State men's basketball uh, coming up this year. So, yeah, I've been around. I've seen a few things here coming and going. So, uh, yep, looking forward to, to the season and uh, heading to Indiana next Saturday, looking, uh, looking forward to that first game. All right. Well, Steve, wish uh, you and the Buckeyes a great season. We'll check in with you later in the season. But uh, again, we appreciate your knowledge and your your talent. So have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Justin, take care. All right. So once again, uh, Steve Hellwagon of 24-7 Sports or Bucknuts.com. Appreciate him as always joining us on the show. So um, with that... Uh, a lo- there's a lot of information there, uh, Steve gave us, uh, so we're going to see, I mean, is it going to be Kyle McCord or is it going to be Devin Brown? Is it going to be both of them? Uh, but regardless, I think they got to get that starting quarterback in line for, uh, the Notre Dame game, which is, uh, the week four this season. So Notre Dame actually plays this Saturday in Ireland against Navy. So, uh, they're going to have, um, they're playing technically this is called week zero. So uh, Notre Dame's going to uh, kick off this weekend with a handful of other games going on. So uh, we'll check in more with um, Ohio state later uh, as we get closer to the season, we'll have plenty of Ohio state coverage for you throughout the season. So this football season, we're going to be covering a lot of stuff. So um, we're going to be covering Ohio state, we're going to be covering college football. We're going to be covering Youngstown State. We're going to be covering Mount Union. Uh, we're going to be covering the Cleveland Browns, the AFC North, and the NFL as a whole. So a lot of football talk 
throughout the fall and uh, a lot of things that are going to be pretty exciting. One other thing I wanted to uh, mention on Thursday, we will have the Penguin Collective uh, joining us. And if you're not familiar with what a collective is, uh, it has been put into law about a year ago where um, college players, uh, we j- we've had several YSU women's basketball players on here that are, are currently um, in that NIL uh, situation, name, image, likeness. So they can be paid. They can make money off their name, image, and likeness. And that's what uh, Will um, and Tim are going to join us from Penguin Collective on Thursday's show and tell us kind of how that works, how you can get involved, all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be uh, exciting, and we'll talk some YSU football with them on Thursday. So, Joe, let's transition and let's go into a little Cleveland Browns talk. So um, you and I were talking before the show and I had mentioned I was so frustrated. I got home from Florida on uh, Thursday. You were in New Jersey, Mm -hmm. New York uh, Thursday, and I get home. I put on YouTube TV, which, you know, usually works great put it on and uh, the Browns game, which was also on our local affiliate was also on the NFL network was blocked for me on both sites. I was pissed, Mm. pissed because I didn't get a chance to, uh, I I watched a little bit of the preseason, um, the kickoff, the first game. I didn't get a chance to see the commanders game. I was in Florida for that. And it's usually only played on like local TV. So, just frustrated like you know it's preseason football it really doesn't count all that much but you still want to watch a little bit to kind of get like a feel for it you can watch the game notes you can recap and all that but i don't know i was frustrated with it so but you got to watch it though i did well i was or at least some of it i was in new jersey so Mm -hmm. it's close proximity to philadelphia so i good point yeah picked it up on a probably a pennsylvania network okay for sure but i would it would have been the same thing if it weren't out of um you know area game that i'd have been blocked to mm-hmm. and, and it's crazy because it doesn't have to be that with today's technology you should be able just to buy the yeah. feed from whoever it is the nfl and it's just not like mm-hmm. that can i tell you like I, i'm sure somebody else has had this idea but i think this would be such a smart such a commonsensical idea and we have talked about this before but the nfl if they would provide the the feed for the game the video um, but they bring in guys, you know, national guys, whether it be the the top crew, Romo and and Jim Nance or, or you know, Buck and Aikman or whoever it might be. But then there's like, you know, the B team, the C team, the D team, whatever. Um, those guys and gals aren't experts on those two particular teams they study them for a few days as they go in wouldn't it make a ton of sense to have the local like whether it's jim donovan and nathan zagura like do the game in the local markets like wouldn't that that to me that makes so much sense. well that's i'm i mute those idiots out anyway yeah I'm right on the browns feed anyhow. Mm-hmm. now one thing I, w- I was trying to think when I was watching the feed in New Jersey, the commentators were very like pro Philadelphia. So I don't know if that was the national feed or I was picking up something where they had local dudes. I, I think with the preseason, unless it's like an ESPN telecast, I think it's that local it affiliate. That local. So okay. it's going to be like, so for the Browns, when they're at home, it'll be like Joe Thomas okay. and uh, Zagura or whoever it might be up Got in the it. booth with them. So you get that like, hometown feel yeah wouldn't that be cool with each game at least if you had the option i don't know how they would do that on tv if you like you know you know how you can click like spanish you know subtitles or whatever it might be or or whatever they they call that but uh i don't know to me i think that would be a yeah technology that should be super you would you would think that would be like or there's just the cbs a cbs b you know whether whatever it might be but that's probably more money and and the you know when they do provide like a direct NFL feed like when mm-hmm. you're whatever that was on direct TV or or whatever the NFL Sunday yeah, ticket yeah I thought it was garbage like I really hated the coverage because there would be action on the field going on and they'd be somewhere else like yeah. whatever and I hate yeah. that just show yeah. me the field mm-hmm. well and the red zone channel is cool I don't I don't 
have that subscription every now and then I'll like check in or they'll give you like that free preview trial. That's kind of cool because they flip from channel to channel, like based on when a team's about to score or show you a big highlight or something that just happens. But yeah, like you said, it's not the most exciting way to do it. Yeah, so, and I think I they, they give a subpar product so that it gives an advantage to the affiliates. So everybody mm. doesn't su subscribe to that. Now, if they really wanted to kill it, they'd put the Manning brothers on and really destroy <laughs> all commentary. It'd be like, I'll take Joe Buck over those idiots. Yeah. Well, and, and some people absolutely love them, which oh, I so guess bad. I get, but Terrible. I would rather like Terrible. to me, if it's, if I, if it's a Browns game, I am not watching the Manning cast. I'll watch like the regular announcers. But if it, if it's like a, a game, I don't really care a whole lot about. Maybe I'll tune in if they have like an interesting person on an interview or something. But other than that, yeah, I I don't really ever watch it. So I don't know. But I think for ESPN, all it all it matters is the eyes that are on that that screen and thus bringing in that revenue. So yeah, so, you know that's all that matters. And and they I don't think care if people are watching ESPN or ESPN two as long as they're watching. You know. Sure. So um, okay, so Joe. Let's get down to like a little bit of the Browns and like, so what are your initial thoughts on it's preseason? I know we've talked about this, but like, give me, just give me some bullet points on, on what you've seen so far this year. So I, I, I don't think as highly of DTRs. I did the first game. Yeah. He looked very erratic, very happy feeding around mm -hmm. and he did not look comfortable. I mean, they were very complimentary after the game that he, yeah. he did have poise in there, but I, I didn't see it. I thought that he did a far less job. Now, down the road, he gets some experience. He yes. enters on some kind of journeyman, and he's going to be great. Mm -hmm. But right now, let's not put in a backup spot. Yeah, I, th I think people like really – and with Browns fans, you know, for a while, the preseason is all, you know, if you look <laughs> the season, we went 0 and 16, we actually went four and zero in the preseason. So it's like the preseason means Jack squat, you know, it means nothing. So Deshaun Watson's your quarterback. I think, as you said, Dorian Thompson Robinson DTR is your future backup, yes. but Josh Dobbs is going to be the backup uh, during the season, especially hypothetically, let's just say, you know, knock on wood, Deshaun Watson gets abducted by aliens uh, in at halftime of one game and has to miss a, a quarter before they bring him back. More likely Chris Carson, <laughs> but... <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, by the way, do you see, I saw he was in Boardman. Who? Chris Hansen? No, no, Deshaun Watson. I got nervous for a minute. <laughs> what are you doing, John? Here, why don't, why, don't, why don't you sit down? Why don't you take a seat? By the way, that show, that they need to bring that show back. Oh, that was the most entertaining show on you know TV. What? I want to see the political version where they just target congressmen yeah. and senators. Oh, that would be that, so would, that would be phenomenal. Okay, back to <laughs> Deshaun Watson was in Boardman for some plaza opening or okay. something I, I saw like a week oh, ago. Yes, 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 I, yes. I was in I was out of town, so I wasn't around, but uh, I heard it, it went well and all that stuff. And there was over a thousand people lined up to meet him get free ice cream whatever it might be so um but anyway shit now i forgot where we were going <laughs> oh dorian thompson robinson so deshaun watson's your quarterback hypothetically if he has to miss a quarter you probably want a veteran guy coming in at the like the tip of a hat you know what i mean and then i think dtr would be better served if let's say watson had to miss two weeks and um he could prep for that week going into the game rather than just throw him in to the fire. Yeah. My totally. personal opinion, totally. but let's just hope neither of them have to play the whole season. So um, that's the Browns only way they're going to make the playoffs this year. So, um, so we're looking at Watson. We're looking at uh, Josh Dobbs as your backup and you're looking at DTR as your third string. Uh, the way the NFL is allowing it this year. You are allowed to carry and dress a third uh, third quarterback. You could do that in the past, but they will al allow all teams to carry an emergency third quarterback as a this 53rd? year. Mm -hmm. Or fifty as as a they well, you're allowed to have a fifty three man roster, but you're only allowed to dress like forty eight or okay. forty nine or something. There's always a couple inactives. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that works and the numbers, but, uh, but he will be dressed on the sideline. Okay. And like, if hypothetically, like I said, um, 
Watson sprains an ankle or something. And then Josh Dobbs, um, I don't know, let's say his helmet falls off and he has to come out. I, I believe the only way um, if that third quarterback goes in, I think neither of the other two quarterbacks can come back in the game. The the way the new rule is written. Okay. So, but either way, he'll be there. He'll be ready to go through backups. He'll be able to see the game live from the field and just see how the NFL game works and evolve and get better. So, um, right, so let's go, Cade York. All right, talk yeah, about yeah, Cade York. So, I mean, lots of discussion. We, mm-hmm. we have Schwartz and York who have been like a festering deal where they yeah. they need to get their stuff together. They need mm-hmm. to get their suitcases packed. One of the two. Mm-hmm. Now, of the two, though, I think York is. Fixable. I really yes, do. I, do too. I think I think it's up here. Yeah. It's not talent. No, he's not at all. He's super talented. So what is it? Is it is it the golfing thing, the mental block, the because I, I read some theories today mm-hmm. about the placeholder, yeah, not doing a good job of getting the ball down quick enough. Okay. And then Cade has to wait for the ball to be placed and it's throwing off his timing. So my pushback to that would be aren't they doing the same thing in practice? And apparently he's making them all in practice. So unless, unless there's a pressure during a game and the placeholder is not doing as good during a game, okay. they should be able to review that tape and find out if this is not a York thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what the answer is. I think like you said, it's a mental thing. He's got the yips or whatever it might be. Um, because I mean, this is a guy that, uh, when he played at LSU, he he made like a 57-yard game-winning field goal in the fog in um, the swamp, which is in Florida, and enemy territory, 90,000 fans screaming you know, at him uh, in a rivalry game, can make that kick, can make that first kick against Carolina last year to win the game basically on the last play of the game uh, for the Browns against the Panthers last year. But it's like in the preseason, you're missing, you know, you miss your – first uh field goal and i think he kept missing right uh from what i you know understand and ha- what i've seen on the highlights and then there was that penalty after he missed it so he got another chance and then it. he missed it left yeah. he overcorrected yeah. which goes to your point uh missing right let's fix it let's go left and maybe it'll go down the center so so there's, here, there's here's, something I, off. I, here's my strategy i'm gonna give it away for free okay all right so Let's do this beginning of the year. Let's say, listen, mm-hmm. we're not going to do any field goals. We're going to go fourth down, just run and chub. We're going to try to get, you know, why not? Okay. Until he's made 20 point afters in a row. Okay. Okay. So he gets to that point and he's sure. consistent with point afters. Then we'll start letting him do 35s. Right. Okay. And this is start some building some successes under the dude. There you go. There's something to be said about that. And I, I like, and I think Stefanski is a type that is a go for it, but let's say you're at the, let's say you're at the 20 yard line, but it's fourth and let's say it's fourth and goal at the 20. You're not going for fourth and goal. Whereas you're kicking well, a 37 yard field let, goal. Let's count them all as anything that's in the range of point afters. We'll consider that. Okay. So go nothing through. higher. Are you all right? <laughs> so, so nothing higher than like a 40 yarder. Right exactly. Now. Okay. Yep. And then anything longer than that, let's not think 70 yarders and game winning yeah. 59 yarders. Let's just think about hitting point afters and anything else is go for it. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not opposed to that idea. I like the aggressiveness, but I have some stats to push back on you all okay. for. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, Giving this from, uh, want to give credit to Mike Lucas because uh, he put this out on Twitter. So, eighteen point seven percent of NFL games have been decided by three points or less. So that's uh, this is since two thousand three. So eighteen, so almost one out of every five games is decided by three points or less. That's four hundred and seventy nine games since two thousand three. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. So three points, and like, look at that Eagles game. He makes one of those field goals. Uh, he made the first three. So we'll give him credit oh, yeah, for that. For he sure. made the first three. Um, and I believe the first one was right smack dab the, down the middle. So he made the first three, but then it was crunch time. It was 18-18, and he missed. Mm-hmm. And then the flag gave him another chance, missed again. So technically, that's not three out of four. That's three out of five, which is 60%. So um, here's another stat. 28. 
98% of games have been decided by one, two, or three points. 28%. That is 715 games since 2003 have been decided by one, two, or three points. It is a very slim margin in the NFL because every team is talented. Even the worst team, the Arizona Cardinals, the Indianapolis Colts, whoever you want to say is one of the worst teams in the league this year. They still have a lot of talent on that roster. Um, so it's a very thin margin of error. So you're even the, the chiefs last year, I think their average margin of victory was seven points. So, you know, that's the Super Bowl champion, seven points. The Browns are a very good team, but they will be in a lot of close games, I have a feeling, this year. Let's let's even say it's like only seven of their 17 games are close. That's still, what, like 40% of your schedule? So, I don't know. It's it, it's a lot. So, you're, you're the coach. What do mm-hmm. you do with York? I, How long do you go into a season with that cloud? Yeah, you know what? Because I have had players uh, when I coached basketball, totally different sport at the high school level, very different than at the pro level, that have had like some, uh, you know, they were really good shooters and then they would get to the free throw line all of a sudden and struggle. So it's like they have to get into a routine. I think it's like you have to have like, I don't know if it's like you have him like talk to like not a therapist, but like um, like a like a counselor in like a positive way, like a, like um, a positive mindset type, type thing. Like uh, someone that, because do you ever, I don't know if you're a golfer or not, but if you go up and I'm, I'm someone that I'm a very average golfer, but if what happens if you go up to the tee with a negative mindset, I'm going to don't hit it in the water. Don't hit it in the water. What do you do? You hit it in the water (laughs) or you chunk it or whatever. It's like, I think we have to make sure his mindset is in the right frame of mind and you know, you're going to have misses. We're not expecting him to make 98% of his kicks, but I think 85 to 90 is a good, you know, right. a good range, especially and he was what, like a 50% or something. I think he was at something. 75% yeah. last year, which 75% sounds I mean, in the okay. Like yeah. Yeah. It's like in that it's yeah. It's right in that Stop. 50% range. Not good. Yeah. Not good. You got to be at, I think you got to be at, let's, I'm going to make up a, a number 80, Three percent. I think that's what eighty-three percent. That's like six out of seven. So every six out of seven. But like, what if that seventh kick is a game winner? You know, or or ends up deciding a game win or lose. That that that's a big difference. All right. So see which of my ideas you you like. Sure. Yes. So the first one is that you hire Phil Dawson as a consultant. Yes. Hang out with him. Just live on the sidelines with him Mm -hmm. and talk this dude up and talk the game and pay him whatever he wants. Ever anything anything. Uh huh. Option two, send him to Aaron Rodgers and go on a mushroom trip and reset his brain. <laughs> I think those ayahuasca trips are like like 10 days. So, I mean, Do we're I getting get, close to the season here. You got enough time. Okay. Or number three, you get rid of him and pull in a 40-year-old veteran that can do chip shots for you. I, I think <laughs> number three is maybe the... S- middle choice for the Browns. <laughs> Wait, which right one now? did you dismiss? I need to know. I, I think the ayahuasca <laughs> trip is is a close third. Is a close third. I'm going to say Phil Dawson one, bring okay. him in, yeah. be a consultant, uh, you know, work with him, talk talk with him through everything that's going on because I mean, we're talking like we're in August too with good weather and whatnot. Like there's going to be November and December games that are you you've been in that stadium you know what it's like it's windy it's cold um that ball's probably like a brick to them yep. but he's got the leg power he's got the strength he's actually got two legs believe it or not <laughs> but but <laughs> but that one leg is a great there's a great kicker in there it's just mm-hmm. all up here and yes yeah, i don't want to see him out. kicking 70 yarders pregame i no. want to see him yeah just hang out at the 40 yes that's all you got to do yes 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 it's like when i see like Shaq or somebody like in the past like they're they're like warming up behind the three-point line it's like you know damn well you're not taking a three-pointer get in there and work on what you do well exactly. and get better at it so yeah like you I, I like that idea get really good at those 30 40 yards and obviously there's going to be different factors that go in weather um the pressure the defense puts on it the snap the hold all that stuff but 
if you can control what you can control and if it's a good snap, it's a good hold and your line does its job, you should be thinking, I, I'm making this every time. And apparently when they drafted him, they said that was one of his strong points. He is this guy that's a big time routine guy and does everything the way he should and supposed to. But I think there's just something off and I don't think you can release him though, because they've, they've put a lot into this guy and there's so much in this season though, that it's like, now I'm like, now I'm kind of going the other way. There's so much, the season's so important that you can't, be goofing around so maybe you do bring in a competition remember, to... he's ruined for life if you let him go out at this at this level yeah he's done well no i think what happens is if we release him he catches on with a different team and becomes like an all-world kicker <laughs> <laughs> so they know that about I, us so, so they've sniffed at us uh, so i i don't know what the answer is but i think positive mindset get somebody in the building to help him and fix that problem because yeah, he is too good to 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 mess up all so right. next okay. one all right anthony schwarzenegger yeah he's gone there's no i mean there's no value at this point i mean they tried to end around run him and yeah. he's fumbler. first time he touched the ball the preseason fumble um he has had a couple nice moments this preseason i saw a couple nice catches but then it's like you can't make a couple nice catches and then drop the fourth one you know it's like you have to be more consistent and yes well, I what's his problem then Let's let's figure him. I out. Ju I just think the Browns um, overvalued his speed rather than the skill it takes to be an NFL wide receiver. The hands, the eyes. See, but if it were that, he would have been released year number two. He has been on that roster as a broken wheel for four years. This now. is the third, third year. Third year. Third year. Yeah, but still, I think it's like he's got that world class speed, and you hear about that, but it's like. Yeah, well, so, you know, so do all these other guys in the NFL. There I I'm looking for consistency and I, I don't I don't think you can have a guy that, you know, it's like, hey, that's great if you can beat beat the guy that's covering you by two yards, but if you can't catch the ball, what's the point? It's 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 as good as spiking it into the ground. You know what I'm saying? It's the same old story. So I don't know. So Anthony Schwartz to me does not make this roster. So um I actually had um six wide receivers making the roster can i show you yeah. my offensive roster that i predict now i have 24 players on offense now i think the wide receiver position we could possibly see um you know the return guy jakeem grant make that as a seventh receiver but i added this up so it got to 53 now i think you're going to see some changes on this so quarterbacks i had three watson dobbs robinson Maybe keep Kellen Mond as a, a practice squad guy. Nick Chubb, Jerome Ford. I don't know. What do you think about uh, what do you think about Felton, the running back? Do you think he makes this team? I do. You do? Okay. Yeah. So Felton might be your TVA there That's that it. I have. Okay. So we'll, we'll put Demetric Felton on that. Njoku, Harrison Bryant, Jordan Akins. People love Jordan Akins. Uh, he is a like a six seven um, tight end. Uh, former player with the Houston Texans with Watson. So people love him. Harrison Bryant, though, I have not seen the whole preseason. I don't know where he's at. So yeah. hopefully everything's okay with him because I don't know. Yeah, and, and I would really like to see them use tight ends all year long, mm -hmm. not just in, in certain situations. I would like them to really lean on those guys. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And then the receiving core is one of the strengths of the team, I think. So you got Amari Cooper. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Elijah Moore, who has been raved about and uh, by all accounts should be a, an elite player for you. Cedric Tillman oh. looks like a stud. Heck yeah. Really does. Probably be your fourth receiver. And then I put on the roster David Bell, former third-round pick last year, um, has great hands, but hasn't like hasn't like done anything to wow you you know what i mean just kind of there right now so hopefully he can step up and then austin watkins has been kind of the talk of the preseason for the browns had like over 100 yards in the last game i think has a couple hundred yards and a couple touchdowns this preseason so he looks like he could be a player and i put him on the roster just based on his production so far and i, I think 
DPJ is gonna this is gonna be his year. He is okay. going to stand out. I I think the Browns receiving. I think the Browns are gonna throw it a lot this year. Yeah. And I I think uh, that's gonna be fun. Um, we we know the five starters: Jed Wills, uh, Joel Batonio, uh, Ethan Posick, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin are your starters on the line. Luke Whipler out of Ohio State has impressed. James Hudson looks to be your kind of your swing tackle, your guy that can play left tackle, right tackle if someone gets hurt. But the talk of the camp outside of DTR and Watkins has been Dewan Jones, the enormous tackle from Ohio State. This guy is like 6'8", 360 pounds, but he might be your future left or right tackle uh, based on the skill level uh, he has the size and not to mention he's on a rookie contract and he was a fourth round pick. Did I read that they were lining him up on the left side? At yeah. This point? Yeah. So they put him on the left side at practice apparently yesterday or the day before. And, and he's holding his own and he was holding his own against the first round pick for the Eagles in that game played has played the majority of snaps in all of the games. And I think has allowed like one pressure mm. so far. So um, good hey, stuff man. out of them. Um, so that's, the players I put on offense uh, for the Browns, I had 24. So we know this has to add up to um, 53. So there's three specialists. So that will mean there is 26 on the defensive side of the ball. Now, um, you know, we're not 100% sure on all this, but I, I, I want to give you just my thoughts on this. But the defense has looked really good, really, really good. But And that's without... Miles Garrett playing mostly, um, but Zadaria Smith looks to be a freak defensive lineman that they brought in uh, this offseason. Oboe, I'm just going to call him to <laughs> not butcher oh, it. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, oh. But but apparently they're going to play Miles Garrett, uh, obviously, on probably whatever the premier matchup is, but you're going to have uh, a lot of guys that can get after the passer. So, um, it's going to be nice. The Browns are going to have a lot of pressure. They signed Shelby Harris last week, the veteran uh, from the Seattle Seahawks. They brought in Dalvin Tomlinson, Siagi Ika. Now, I have Jordan Elliott on this list. I put this out on social media yesterday. A lot of people um, disagreed with me and said they think um, uh, Jordan Elliott is gone. So I, I don't know. Former third rounder. Uh, so we'll see about that. Um, and I put Maurice Hurst in there, uh, a former Michigan Wolverine, former 49er, but uh, I guess he has done a very, very nice job this um, preseason. This this next list is where I got all of my attention. The linebackers? Oh, yeah. So Jacob Phillips is, is out for the season. He tore his pec muscle. Um, I think he did the same thing last year. So unfortunately, he's out for the year. He's on the, the pup list I or whatever they call remember, it. Half of our linebackers were hurt all of last year. They really were. JOK is great, but you can't necessarily count on him. Tony Fields, really good special teamer, I think uh, can help you. Sioni Taki Taki, I think he's back and healthy. Anthony Walker, I really like Anthony Walker, but again, was hurt all of last year or most of last year. Now, a guy I know Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator, loves is Jordan Kanashik, uh, number 51. Um, and then I put, <laughs> I hope I get this name right. Mama who, or Mama Moa. <laughs> um, I, j I just, I got the yips in my head on that one. Let's just call him Diabate. <laughs> so he has been uh, one of the sensations in camp um, and making a ton of plays on, um, you know, on defense. And I think will be a, good special teamer. So I think he makes the 53 man roster. So what do you think about that? Um, that linebacking core scares me every time because you got three common faces that spent a lot of time on, on IR mm -hmm. and, and off the field. So it still scares me. That they're there. I love their talent when they're yeah. there. Exactly. But one thing I think is the Browns will only will play a lot of only two linebackers this year on the field because I think you're going to have five DBs out there or possibly even five defensive linemen or a, like a 5-1-5, whatever numbers you want to use to add up to 11. So a 5-1-5, a 5-2-4, whatever it might be, um, you know, to, to get more pressure on the quarterback. I think um, the linebackers are going to have a lot more help this year too with that bolstered defensive front. So...
Like, I might be ruining a future no. uh, thing here. So you got extra cap space now. So who yeah. are you really pursuing out of what so far of what we mentioned? I mean, we're pretty stacked yeah. in all the departments. Mm -hmm. uh, kicker's not going to cost you anything if you do have to pursue. Right. So what what what's your need? Are, are you going after a linebacker? No, I saw that yesterday. You're talking about like the Miles Garrett. Yeah. They re re restructured two two contracts, so, freed up thirty some million. So what I think that money is for, because it says the Browns have the most cap space in the NFL. And yes, they can use it. But what I think they're doing is saving a lot of that to roll over for next year. So um, they're not over the cap next year. That's just kind of my okay. thinking. Um, I don't fully understand the salary cap. It's very complicated. Um, there's smarter people than me out there that, that know what they're talking about with that. But I think what they're doing is taking a lot of that money and going to roll it over. Now, what I will say is if there's a veteran that comes uh, gets cut down on that 53 man roster, maybe they're like, Oh, he's making too much uh, for his production or, or we want to maybe go a younger route. I think you could see the Browns jump in on maybe a, uh, a veteran running back okay. possibly, um, you know, maybe a, a if if Goodwin isn't available, so I didn't have him on my initial list. If Goodwin can play, he's on the roster, Marquise Goodwin. But if if they can't, maybe they find a speedy veteran that can stretch the field and you know be that that guy they hoped Schwartz would be or hoped that Goodwin would be, um, because I think that's the only missing piece on offense. So and the more offensive weapons you give Watson, the better your mm -hmm. offense is going to be. Well, yeah, and it's like it's also like a rubber band. If you stretch the field long ways, you're going to open it up, you know, horizontally and vice versa. You open it up horizontally. Hopefully you can stretch the field and hit them over the top for a big play. So, um, I don't know. Let's, let's take one more look at the rest of the defense here. Cornerbacks. I have Ward, Newsom, Emerson, who by all accounts, those are three of the best quarterback or cornerback trios in the, in the, uh, NFL. I put my, uh, Mike Ford, who's a great special teamer they picked up from Atlanta. Um, and then Cameron Mitchell, their draft pick out of Northwestern, uh, as the fifth cornerback. And then there, I initially had four safeties, but Ronnie Hickman, the undrafted rookie out of Ohio state has, I think three interceptions, uh, already in the preseason. He had one at Ohio in his Ohio state career. So, uh, yeah. So I think based on production, he, could make the 53 or at the very least, maybe they can sneak them through to the practice squad and, you know, bring them up if needed. See, so. I, do you, you miss like a John Johnson in, in that backfield? I really don't. No? I, I think the safeties are going to be much improved this year. I think, I think with what they have in this style of defense, I think Delpit is in for a big year. Um, and I really think, um, they got, they got some good stuff on the defensive side of the ball with, um, uh, who am I missing? Rodney McLeod. Uh, they brought in from, I believe, Indianapolis. And then, oh, and Juan Thornhill from the Chiefs, two-time Super Bowl champion, um, has only played like four years in the league. So he brings that veteran winning experience to the team already. So um, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be solid uh, in the back half. And the best thing I heard Greg Newsom say this the other day, they said, the defensive line is getting after the quarterback so fast that they can be like, he called it sticky that they can just stick to the wide receivers. Don't have to cover very long. And then hopefully that creates more turnovers this year for uh, the Browns defense and gives that offense a shorter field helps. and then pound it in, get, get those seven instead of three. Did, did you for, notice how on some of those plays DTR had forever in that pocket? Yes. I was so yes. impressed. Well, it's because our backup offensive line is as good as a lot of starting <laughs> offensive yeah. lines in the NFL. That's a great, great problem to have yeah, with uh, sure. with who we have. And I think the Browns are really, really deep this year. They are a very, very good, good team. But you can be good on paper. You got to go do it out on the field. And then let's take a look at the schedule because three of the four first four games are in your division. Two of them are at home. So... I think you got to go at worst two and two that first four weeks. And then, uh, you know, obviously three and one would be, would be wonderful, but you know, you open up against the Bengals who Joe Burrow has not 
practice that more than like two or three snaps this this preseason because of the calf injury so i don't know what his status is you go to pittsburgh on a monday night which that'll always be tough and pittsburgh is not a bad team they're not a great team but they're not a bad team and we all know it's hard to win in pittsburgh um and then you got the titans who coached by Mike Brabel, who's an Ohio State guy, who's from uh, Canton, Ohio. So he's going to want to win that game. He's going to have that that team ready to go. And then you play against the Ravens, another division foe. So three of your first four games are against division opponents, and three of those first four are at home. So big-time stuff for the Browns. they got to get off to a hot start or at least a two-and-two two start. Uh, and I think it's imperative that they, uh, that you know, I, I I don't think it's asking too much to go three and one in those first uh, four games. Yeah, and I, I did see two AFC North rankings that yeah. had Cleveland in that top position ahead of the Bengals. And with Joe Burrow's injury, you know, I don't think I, I feel like as a Browns fan in the past, you know, it's been like hopeful and like you know, like a, like a hopeless romantic. You know what I mean? It's like, oh uh, yeah, you're always looking, but it's never going to be good for you. But I feel like this year, it really, like, everything's there for this team. Everything. The, you know, the defense, uh, the defensive line is great. They're, it's fixed. They have big defensive tackles. The offensive line is great. Usually where you win in football is in the on the lines. You know, you have really good skill positions at the wide receiver. You have the best running back in football. Your quarterback two, three years ago was one of the best quarterbacks in football. You pay, you went out, you traded for him, you paid him a lot of money. I think this team goes where Deshaun Watson goes. I think that is, you know, priority number one is making sure Deshaun Watson is ready to go and those players are fully engaged and, like, you can't get off to a slow start. you got to be ready to go from that first kickoff of this, uh, the season. Only little piece of our armor is if we lose by three points or less. <laughs> yeah, and let's get Cade York figured out because, <laughs> I mean, even those extra points, we need every, every one of those points. Of them. So, but, see, and, and back to our, our Cade discussion, like, yeah. you, you, we're hoping for 86%, meaning there are going to be some misses. Mm -hmm. But the next miss that he has is going to be put in the pile of the 50% misses, not the 87% makes. Sure. And that's yeah. why, you know, this dude just needs to – pack on the the successful shots mm -hmm. yeah and i mean just have I, it's easier said than done but have a short memory don't worry about if you made or missed the last one focus on this one knock it through the uprights yep. and <laughs> easier for me to say than than do but sorry uh, to belabor that but that's no the no it, that, right that's really what it comes down to but really those first four weeks and then you gotta buy so you go also the wall you go all out those first four games and then hopefully you can rest up um and then you're back except for back jack conklin don't go balls out <laughs> jok take her easy right right Why tell yep exactly <laughs> exactly so and and they're they're playing saturday and i think a lot of the starters are going to play so um this saturday and they're playing they just played the uh, Super Bowl losing team. Now they're playing the Super Bowl champion. So they're getting a pretty good uh, dose of really talented teams in the preseason to kind of see how they stack up against them. So we will see what the Browns end up doing, but, uh, you know, hopefully uh, get off to a hot start this year. And, you know, three and one, I don't think is asking for too much. I saw they're a one point underdog right now as it stands versus the Bengals at home. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see. And I think a lot of that will depend on Joe Burrow's health too, whether that line changes one way or the other. So um, one other topic I want to bring up with you uh, before we go, have you seen this blindside stuff? I did. This is weird. This is weird. Very weird. So for anyone that doesn't remember Michael Orr, uh, he was a offensive lineman for the Baltimore Ravens. Before that he played at Ole Miss and you know, there was the movie, The Blind Side, that came out, and he was adopted by, uh, what's the family's name, like the Tui family or something like that? Right. But like, you know, down in Mississippi, very Southern, very, you know, like... Like Green Mile soft, big <laughs> dude, though, right? Yes, but he, I know he had a problem with that and the way he was portrayed in that film, because they made him seem like he was dumb. He's like, I'm a, 
you know, I'm a smart guy. I, I know what I'm doing, but they made him sound like he was dumb. I think in that movie. And I think he's always taken that personally, which I would too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but they did something called a, uh, conservation. How, how would conservative you ship conservative ship? Okay. So it's a legal mechanism to help people who are considered unable to care for themselves or their finances. Isn't that what like Britney Spears had on her, her dad yeah. had it on her. Yeah, so, yeah. uh, for a few years and everyone was like free Britney, whatever. But, uh, that's apparently what this Michael Orr had on him with this Tui family, uh, as opposed to an adoption, which everyone thought. So what's your thoughts on this? It's too weird, and and it's it, and it's such a long time after that movie. There's more to it. This just seems so fishy. I, I, yeah, because well, a couple things. Like so, real quick, if you don't know the context, the the family that adopted him, the dad played basketball at Ole Miss. The wife was a cheerleader at Ole Miss, um, and they have like their name on one of the basketball arenas or something because they they've given financial a significant financial donations in the past. So this is a family that has money very well, 200 million and, plus. And they, and they want, they wanted this kid to play for their alma mater, but they didn't want NCAA violations for Ole Miss at the time. So there's a lot of, uh, slippery slopes in this, yeah. in this story. Cause it feels like a money thing, yes. but then the family is already wealthy. That's on belief. So you mm -hmm. couldn't imagine them taking all these risks for a money thing when they really didn't need it. So this conservatorship uh, is, uh, he was already 18 at the time. So to usually when you're adopting someone, they're below the age of 18, not always. I don't, I don't believe, I don't know the exact rules of that, but it says in this uh, conservatorship, it doesn't, matter age right. um or anything like that right. so basically they're like we're gonna bring you in and you're gonna play for our team is kind of how it looks now yeah but do you think like why do you think it's happening now like i don't know that's, like you said it's fishy got, yeah because it's been so long the story was already out there yeah. so if there was inaccuracies or whatever that would have been like after the movie came out right right instead of now and i i don't think the other shoe is dropped we'll find out so my, a couple questions. He was a fir former first round pick, so he made some money in the NFL, but I don't know if he held on to it or not. Some people are great with their money. Some people are not. But the movie also, usually movie rights come from like a book deal. And most of that money goes to like the publisher or the movie house. It's not going to, you know, the family. About, right, yeah, right. you know, actors and actresses and all that. But Michael Orr probably didn't see a whole lot of money from that movie, maybe a little bit, but I don't know. So maybe it's a financial thing, Could be. but it's, it's, it's very unlikely. interesting. It's unlikely that it is because again, that you're fighting against people who are already way loaded. And mm -hmm. what? Okay. Well, Joe, you got anything weird before we go to throw at me? <laughs> I was thinking about like what I could say that was weirder than what I've already said. So I think I'll maybe, maybe we'll dedicate some time on the next show to okay. going out there in left field. Okay. All right. Sounds good. But on our next show, I will say one more thing. Um, again, we will have uh, Will and Tim from the Penguin Collective on Thursday. Do you know a lot about the NIL no. stuff? I'm excited to like pick their brain and see how this really works and see how the finances go and who gets what money and, and this and that because, but I, I like it because players really should be paid. And, you know, sometimes I don't, I, I'm kind of curious too, to see if it goes on performance and stuff. I don't think they're allowed to do it like that, but, but we'll see. So anyway, tune in on that, uh, on Thursday. want to thank Steve Hellwagon for joining the show. As always, Joe Danier for joining us. We are a Youngstown Studio production. Appreciate you watching. Make sure to follow, like, share, subscribe, review, all that stuff on uh, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. But appreciate you watching, and uh, we will talk to you on Thursday. Thank you for listening to this show on Youngstown Studio. If you like our programming, we invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow our Facebook page, or subscribe to your favorite podcast.